The Essence of Tea, Episode 16. Welcome. You are listening to the Essence of Tea podcast, where we share about the world of tea with you. From tea tastings to tea history and culture to tea education, health, and wellness, the Essence of Tea is your tea companion through your personal transformation and growth. I'm your host, Jenny Jie. Now let's get started. Welcome everyone to the Essence of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Jie with Sipping Streams Tea Company. And today we have a fabulous guest, Paul Bain with Just Tea. That's J-U-S-T-E-A. And he is out of Vancouver, B.C., and from Canada, they have their company and they work with growers in Kenya and they specialize in Kenyan teas and also the Kenyan purple tea. So welcome, Paul. Hey, Jambo. That's what they would say in Kenya, which means hello. Yes, Jambo. I did learn a little bit of Swahili watching Mr. Rogers when I was a child. <laughs> I don't know. Perfect. If you ever watched a great that. teacher. Um, But yes, welcome everyone. And Paul, uh, go ahead and tell us about Just Tea and what you do in Kenya. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, So Just Tea actually stands for Justly Made Tea. So um, we work directly with tea farmers in Kenya. Uh, Myself and my family travel back and forth to Kenya. And it's the world's first farmer direct tea partnership. So it's uh, fair trade, sustainable uh, employment that we're trying to create uh, for tea farmers and tea pickers on the ground in Kenya. So we're connecting tea drinkers back to the farmer who made that cup of tea possible. And with that shorter, transparent supply chain, uh, the tea drinker gets a fresher cup of tea and the farmer receives a fair wage. So we've been working with tea farmers since 2012 now. We actually started with two crowdfunding campaigns and uh, it's been quite a journey since then. Uh, Lots of uh, exciting developments and also lots of uh, really challenging failures that we've (laughs) had to overcome. But uh, it's been been an adventure and I'm really fortunate to be working with uh, the incredible tea farmers in Kenya. Yes, and and I really loved your presentation at the World Tea Expo. So I met you at the World Tea Expo in 2019. I was a speaker there. I don't. Were you also a speaker there too for a core yes. conference? Uh, I was a speaker there for. I, I was helping out with the Kenyan tea presentation, and then also for the purple tea presentation. Yes. So so what I find very fascinating is not just that you guys make high quality tea like the White Rhino that won first place. And go ahead. Tell us about those awards that you won two awards for the White Rhino that we're sending out this month to our university members. So could you explain a little bit about the White Rhino tea this year? Yes, of course. So Kenya is actually not really known. A lot of people don't understand that Kenya even makes tea. It's not really known in the tea industry. Uh, but Kenya is the largest exporter of black tea in the world. The third largest producer of tea behind China and India, then they're the largest exporter of black tea. Uh, but 99% of that tea basically is ground up for tea bags. And so we really see a need in the market for some higher quality orthodox tea leaves. So that whole leaf, slowing down that manufacturing process to produce some incredible full leaf teas like a a green tea or an oolong or a black or the more untraditional purple and uh, a white tea and so this white tea we call it the kenya white rhino because it's so rare actually kenya has the last uh, remaining white rhino um it's on the brink of extinction um and so we wanted to pay tribute to that uh, incredible animal 
and um, and named this tea after it because it's such a, a rare tea. It's only the top, just like other white teas, it's just a silver needle. So that unopened leaf bud at the very top of the tea bush is picked. So it's actually about half a, half a pound is picked in one whole day of work. So incredibly uh, time consuming, uh, a lot of effort goes into each uh, cup of this tea. And it, but, it, but you can taste it. Um, it won the, the World Tea Conference Best White Tea uh, at the Global Tea Championship at the World Tea Expo. And it also won the People's Choice Award uh, for White Tea. So I'm actually going to make some here too, so you can take a look at it. I know you're sipping some, Jenny. Yes, uh, so yes. This is what we're working with here. The White Rhino is amazing. So I'm going to show you, if you're watching this live on video, I'm going to show you what the tea leaves actually look like. They will oh, there you go. They will look like a typical um, silver needles. Yeah, there you go, Paul. Yep. <laughs> so very, you know, buddy, very silvery, which is really nice. Not too much browning. So, you know, they, when you ever, you see like any white edge, um, dark edges to like a cut line on the tea leaf, that is where you know where they've picked it because it's bruised it a little bit. A little bit of oxidation right. has already started. So it's kind of hard to see, but when you receive yours as a university member, you'll be able to check out your tea leaves. And again, very beautiful infusion of the leaves. It still looks a little downy with my first steeping. So that's really nice. But yeah, I just made it in, in a glass teapot. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, Paul, but we actually won in 2011 the top tea infusionist competition at the World Tea Expo. Oh, wonderful. So Congratulations. It, I'm not making this white tea in a glass teapot because it's probably better for the white tea versus cast iron or yixing, but I'm mostly doing it so those of you watching on video can actually see the liqueur and, and how beautiful, but full body looking for white tea. So it's not very pale. It's, it's pale, but it, you know, as long as it's like keeps slightly steeping with like the downiness in there, it will get a little bit darker and darker. You know how like when you have the tea sit there for a while, it starts to get a little bit darker, but it's not super, super pale white kind of color is what I'm saying. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And this, and so this tea, it's, uh, as, as a lot of your listeners probably know, it's, it's very minimally processed. All it is, it's that top unopened bud is picked, and then it's just laid out flat to dry underneath that, that uh, hot African sun throughout the day. Uh, so it, it usually takes about two to three days to dry it, and then, and then that's it. And then we pack it up. It's very delicate. Um, we just make very small batches at a time. Um, so we're, we actually don't have any more of the tea that, that you guys are going to be receiving. We'll have a new shipment in the new year. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's really fun. And it's something that uh, the Kenyan tea farmers uh, like Boaz and Jamila and our team are really proud of because it's something that hasn't been seen in Kenya before. Um, so we're really trying to put the Kenyan teas on the map for more specialty uh, varietals. Um, and offerings and also just the story of that farmer who made that cup of tea possible. So could you talk a little bit about the terrar of Kenya because it actually is pretty vast and some of our listeners might not realize that even the different regions in Kenya like uh, Kenya actually produces a lot of really high quality tea. They don't have to be as harsh and as low grade in a tea bag that you think of. It's just that's what their largest production is because of demand because of traditional right. cultural demand. Same thing with India. So in Kenya, there are absolutely, the first Kenyan tea, oh no, it wasn't from Kenya. Sorry, it was from Malawi that I had. I don't know, have you had any Malawian teas? Um, I've I had, had some, a, yes. Yeah, I had a white tea from there too. 
I don't know, eight years ago. Oh my goodness, I couldn't find it again. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> do you mind explaining the terroir of Kenya and how mm -hmm. it, I mean, there's different ranges of elevation to it there. Yeah, so Kenya um, is very high elevation from the start. So it's, it's, it's uh, you get to the sea level, which is Mombasa, so it is on the coast. Um, and then it just climbs all the way up through Mount Kenya. And then the white tea actually comes from Western Kenya, a place called Nandi Hills. And so you're looking at 2000 meters above sea level uh, where this white tea is picked. Um, that's about 5,500 feet if you're not Canadian or <laughs> if you're from uh, the US. Um, and so it's very high elevation. And then throughout Kenya, you're, you're growing in that really red, uh, dark red, really vibrant volcanic ash soil. So uh, Mount Kenya is a, is a volcano. And so a lot of the ground there is really fertile. Um, you're getting that, that just beautiful kind of clay soil, really dense in nutrients. And that also allows the teas to be very clean. Uh, they don't use any pesticides or chemicals. So it's organically grown, just naturally organic. Uh, just a really perfect country for growing tea. Uh, and then on top of all that, it's right on the equator. So you're getting that really bright sun throughout the day, a bit of a cooler evening, and then also those thunderstorms that come in to, to make sure that the leaves get all their, the bushes get their water that they need. Um, and so they're growing tea year round. There isn't like a, a first flush, as you would say, like in, in Darjeeling or things like that, when the frost comes. Uh, there, there isn't a frost that ever comes in Kenya. So you have a drier season, and that's mostly when the farmers will do their pruning, which is January to April. You have a bit of a drier season, a drought, uh, where it's not rainy as much, but they're still able to pick leaves. Um, so in the when the, the sun is out and the, it's a lot of thunderstorms, then you're picking the same bush every week, basically. So it's really fast producing, and that's two leaves in a bud that are growing every single week, and the farmers are picking and the tea pickers are picking it. And then the dry season, it slows down to about every three weeks. So they're still picking, but it's it's a lot um, less intervals in between the, the bush growth there. Nice. And then, so right now we're drinking a white tea, but then you also have um, black teas. So I actually took your um, Nandi Kenyan Gold tea, which we uh, have available online right now. And it won't be in this month's box, but it'll be in the months after for the university members. So you're going to actually going to be able to try a whole spectrum of um, Paul's teas from Kenya, from Just Tea. So we just started carrying their stuff and we were waiting for a very long time, actually. <laughs> Because we I, know there's, I know there's like a lot of hiccups. I'm like, oh my gosh, is it coming yet? Is it coming yet? So we waited until now when we finally have the teas so Paul could be our guest. But the Nandi Gold, I actually infused it last week, I think, for our podcast for tea-infused wines with a Melbeck. And it was amazing. It felt like nice nice body, right? That volcanic ash, that, that, that hardiness with it and, and slight sweetness of the, the golden tips part of the, the Nandi gold. And then in the Melbeck, it almost like it brought out, and I don't know if you've ever drank a uh, Argentinian Melbeck before. Have you had that kind of, and so oh, yeah. it made it taste like it was almost aged in a barrel, barrel, like a Chardonnay. It was very fascinating and tastes delicious, actually. And, and it's really interesting because with high quality teas, you can get so many infusions in it, right? Like it's slowly infusing over time because the quality of the essence is in there. So the first day tasted great. The second day it tasted great. But because I left the tea leaves in there, it kept getting stronger, even though it was cold brew and wine. Right. 
So like, cause there's alcohol in there too, also helping with extraction. So I thought that was very interesting that next time if I do it, I need to time how many days I cold brew it because it will make a difference because there's so much right. flavor in that black tea. Um, and the Nandi Gold's really interesting because it's actually the same cultivar, the same leaf, uh, same tea bush as this white tea. Oh. Um, so it's it's a really unique cultivar in Kenya. It's, there's only one of them that produces it, this really nice downy silver tip uh, leaf bud. Um, and, and it's very rare. So, so like it's, uh, not, doesn't grow all over Kenya. It only grows in, in the Western region around Nandi Hills and Kericho. And so over actually our research and, and a lot of trial and error in Kenya, um, our team has discovered this one unique cultivar that produces these really hairy, these furry buds. And so it makes this white tea, but then also if you let it oxidize, it produces that Nandi gold. And so it's, it's, a, it's such an incredible tea bush, right? Camellia cements is so incredible that it can create this delicate white tea and then this really nice multi robust uh, Nandi gold uh, with those really nice kind of grape flavors that come through. And then you see the golden tips versus now this the silver tips and it's white tea. So. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Good thing, university members, you're going to get this one this month and next month you're going to get some of the Nandi gold too. Um, and then we do have the big question of purple tea. I know that's like a whole can of worms, but do you think you could help us? In, oh, some people here have never heard of purple tea and and that the tea leaves are actually purple. So if you could explain like what is it that, you know, makes the tea leaf purple how is it its own category why is it in its own category technically that's different than a green tea or an oolong tea and you know like the oxidation and processing i know that was what your presentation was before about at the world tea expo but do you mind going into that because there's a lot of questions of well is it a black tea then or you know what i mean like where does it fit even though it doesn't fit in the global tea championships categories Right. And I'd be happy afterwards to share the, the presentation. Um, you can always uh, look at more information on justtea.com as well, or our social media, Just Tea Kenya. Um, but purple tea is its own category. It only grows in Kenya. There are some uh, wild purple tea leaves that grow in China and India, but Kenya is actually the only cultivar. So they're, they're the only country that can plant a purple tea seedling and it grows into a purple tea bush. Um, so the really special thing about purple tea and why it's its own category is that it's it's you can't um, you can't make it multiple ways. So so we've tried you know doing a heavy oxidation like a black tea. We've tried doing medium oxidation like the oolong. We've tried um, just steaming it like a green tea and just following those traditional methods of making the other tea categories. Uh, but purple tea really requires its own processing technique, and so that actually starts from the leaf picking. Um, as I mentioned, Kenya experiences a very dry season from January to April. Um, so actually during those, during those months, the purple tea leaves actually fade back to green um, because the purple leaf, that pigmentation um, adds as a natural sunscreen. So it deflects UV rays. So as it deflects those UV, UV rays, it turns back to the green color, loses that purple color. So we only can harvest purple tea from April till December when it's still raining and when the purple tea leaves are still flushing. Um, just like other plants in nature that are purple, blueberries, pomegranates, eggplants, it's because of the high antioxidants in the leaf. So it has more antioxidants than green tea. They're called anthocyanin antioxidants and then less than half the caffeine. So from the tea bush, you're picking only the purple tea leaves. The leaves that are further down in the bush, those ones have already started to fade back to green as they mature on the bush. So you're just picking strict top two leaves and a bud or just even one leaf and a bud, whatever that purple top part of the tea bush is. 
And then you bring it back to the factory and, and unlike a green tea, um, you're going to wither it like an oolong or a black. So you'll usually wither it for about 12 hours on the withering bed. So the little fans are blowing, just cool fans blowing the leaves just to soften them. And then with a with the oolong or a black, typically you would then start to roll it or toss it. But with the purple, you're actually going to now bring it back to like a green tea kind of processing technique and steam it. Um, and so you wither it and then you steam it and then you process it with the rolling and the drying like you would every other tea. So it really kind of falls along all sorts of other processing techniques. You, you pick it like a white tea, a very fine picking technique. Then you wither it like a black or oolong, and then you steam it like a green tea. So it borrows a little bit from each category and that's to get the best health benefits from the tea. Um, the steaming uh, retains all of those anthocyanin antioxidants and the catechin levels. But the withering allows it to mature the flavor. Uh, so you get a bit more of that body uh, like you would find in an oolong or a black and a bit more of those fruity kind of stone fruit notes, uh, a little bit of the vegetal notes in there. Um, and so it's, 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 it's really its own unique category. So it fits between a green and an oolong, I'd say. Uh, it has a bit more of the body like an oolong, but it's still steamed. Uh, so it's been de-enzymed like a, a green tea has. Uh, so but Purple tea only comes from that purple leaf. So uh, right at the beginning, it starts very different. The the steaming process. So is steaming typical? Like you're talking about steam drying, like Japanese steam dry. Is that what you're talking uh, about? So or? steam. So the steaming to, to kill the green. So instead of uh, like pan firing it, where you just heat up the pan and just let the leaves tumble like you would like when you're drying your clothes, it's very similar in tea. Like you're just letting the leaves tumble through this hot dryer. Um, just to kill the green so it doesn't oxidize anymore. So in this case, we're steaming it like you would basically if you're steaming vegetables, um, but obviously a bit more, um, a bit fancier machine. Uh, but you're applying that steam, that heat before uh, you roll it. So it locks in that purple color and those purple health benefits. And that's also why in Japan they use steam drying because it's just a fast, it's like a flash drying of it. And steam evaporates instantly because it intacts more of those benefits. That's why you taste the potency versus like a typical Chinese pan dried or air dried tea. So is steam drying very popular in Kenya? No. <laughs> well, okay. green tea is not very popular in Kenya anyways. And so to get all of this machinery, we had to bring it in from India. We brought in consultants from Taiwan. We brought in some machinery from Taiwan. So we had to experiment because there wasn't even any machinery machinery like this to produce orthodox teas, let alone green teas and oolong teas. So uh, all of this was just a lot of experimenting. We made our own machinery at the start uh, just to test it out to see how the players would come through. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's very new, really fun, really exciting uh, and something that hasn't been done before. Whoa, that's so amazing. Yeah. I don't think I realized that it was steam dried. So that does kind of change it into a different category and you're not re-rolling it like an oolong, right? Like you're not rolling it, setting it out, rolling it, setting it out. You're just kind of do the drying, like starting to process it like an oolong, but then go back into the steam drying, like, a, yeah. like a Japanese tea. With it. Yeah, so you'd steam it. So yeah, exactly. Like you'd wither it like a noolong or a blackwood, and then you do the steaming, and then it's now it's got its moisture back again, right? So even though it's withered, it's lost some moisture. Now it's got its moisture. So then you'd let it sit until it's ready to roll, and, and then you'd roll it, and then you would finish with the, the final drying um, yeah. to, to make it down to the 3% moisture that you need to be able to keep it so it retains its flavor and also will not get moldy, you know, if it has too much moisture and not taste burnt if it has too little moisture.
So what would be the steeping instructions ideal for a purple tea then since it's in its own category? Yeah, so I'd steep it more along kind of the green tea um, range. So 175 degrees water, um, and then typically a two to three minute steep. Um, and then you can do multiple steeps. Uh, that's for like a traditional, you know, uh, mug, uh, coffee mug kind of cupping. Uh, it's, it's wonderful in a gaiwan as well, or, or, or some of the other methods that you like to, you like to do there. Uh, but yeah, I'd follow more of that lower temperature water um, and, and a lower, uh, less of a steep time as well. Great. And then what are some of the benefits of purple tea? Like, why is it so popular right now? At least out of Kenya. I've, I've been watching all these videos of other people growing, um, you know, purple tea in Kenya. So what's the big deal about it, I guess, other than it is a purple leaf? Yeah, so it's, it's in my opinion, it's putting Kenya on the map. It's something that has, that can really uh, speak to the country and and the unique terroir that it possesses. So um, because it's it's right on the equator, because it gets that high level of sunlight, uh, because of the soil, like it's it's really gonna be the only place that can that can grow. So even if I think the the cultivars could be, you know, someone could sneak them out, which is how tea came to Kenya. Uh, it was snuck into Kenya from India originally, you know, since the Samica. Um, so if someone could sneak out those same cultivars and plant them in India or China or somewhere else, it, I, I don't, from what I can tell, it won't grow because it doesn't have that same terroir that Kenya has. And so, um, the health benefits behind it, uh, with those anthocyanin antioxidants, um, we have a, done a lot of different, uh, our own analysis on it, scientific analysis on the leaf, and also, um, received a lot of studies that have been done in, in Europe and in Kenya, um, about the health benefits. And it is showing that it has that more antioxidants than green tea, about 10% more antioxidants. It has a high, high level of those anthocyanin antioxidants, which are, again, are found in blueberries. So totally natural. Um, it's, yeah, it's not GMO or anything. And the caffeine content is really nice. It was a surprise to us. It's actually lower than green tea, about 50%. Uh, so actually 40%. So half the caffeine of green tea. So if anyone has that sensitivity and usually goes to an herbal tea, this is a nice alternative. That's not like a, a decaf green or a decaf black, which strips away a lot of the health benefits that are intrinsic in the leaf. They can now turn to purple tea, which is very low in caffeine. Um, so it won't keep them up at night, but they still get that nice taste of a cup of tea. And then, oh, do you mind sharing us a little bit the history? Do you know the history of purple tea? I, I know a little bit from my own research, but like some of the listeners might want to know, like, how did purple tea come about? Like, what, what, why this explosion? You know, what, I know it really puts Kenya on the map, so it's kind of important to Kenya itself. But, you know, how did this discovery or, you know, because you know a little bit, a little bit about the plant growing process, so... Yeah, of course. So purple tea has actually been developed over the past 30 years. So uh, the Tea Research Institute of Kenya um, wanted to originally find a plant that would withstand that uh, dry season better. So it would continue to grow leaves during the drought that farmers always faced. And so purple tea does that. It continues to grow during the dry season because, as I mentioned, it def it's deflecting those UV rays. So the growth isn't being stunted as much. So although the leaves aren't purple, it's still flushing leaves um, that farmers can pick. Um, and so that's why it was originally trying to, why farmers, are, why the Tea Research Institute story was trying to originally develop it about 30 years ago. So over these 30 years, so about the 19, late 1970s, uh, 1980s, um, they were cutting and grafting with tea's cousin called Camellia irwadiensis. So you can see it again on justy.com, the spelling, but it's Camellia irwadiensis, which is another Camellia plant. 
uh, but it flushes purple tea leaves. And so over those years, over those decades, they were able to pull that purple pigment, that anthocyanin antioxidant, that purple color from the Irwadiensis plant into the Sinensis Assamica. So it's a Camellia Sinensis Assamica purple variety now. Um, there's one, one true cultivar from that purple, uh, from that process. And now they, they've expanded into a few different cultivars um, that, that can grow that are purple leaves. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's, it's been a long time coming in. In 2012, 2013, essentially when my first trip was in Kenya, we got to see some of the first purple tea bushes being planted by farmers. So the first cultivars were being planted, and then we got to see them kind of grow up. And typically in Kenya, it's about three to five years before you can start to harvest. Mm -hmm. And so right when that harvest started happening, we started experimenting with some of the processing techniques and, and trying to figure out how we can uh, make this tea palatable and healthy and something exciting for the world market. So. Awesome. Well, Paul, that was, that was a lot of information. So where can they find you again? Where can they find you on social media, your websites, all those places? Mm. Yeah. So it's just t.com www.justea.com. Uh, just T Kenya is our Instagram, Facebook, all of those social media. So just T Kenya, all one word. Um, you can always reach out to me directly. Um, my email is paul at justy.com. Happy to connect and talk to you anytime. Uh, and we do a lot of different festivals and shows across North America. Uh, so if you ever get a chance to come to one of them, I'd love to meet you in person when we're allowed to and <laughs> have a cup of tea with you as well. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully we'll be visiting you soon in the future. So hopefully when things allow that. So thank you so much, Paul, for um, being our special guest from Just Tea on the Essence of Tea podcast. And um, thank you all for joining us. Please write us a rating and review if you enjoyed this episode. And we will see you next time. By the way, we have an absolutely amazing opportunity for you. It is called the Essential Immune Boosting Tea Workshop, and it is absolutely free starting December 28th and 29th. We have only offered this workshop one other time for free, and you can sign up at www.sippingstreams.com. It's all about staying healthy and developing your self-care and wellness through tea. So make sure you tell your friends and family to join today.